I'm Dr. George Flynn, and this is another one of our special interviews with a very special friend of mine, and he's a musician, and you can only hear this on Sunny 103, the 1210 Gold section. So all you VIPs, you're getting this special extra uh, material, and Jason D. Williams has consented to be here. He's got a performance tonight, but uh, he's consented to be here and talk about it. Jason, welcome to the program. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Dr. George Flynn. I've been a friend for a long time, and uh, you've been a wonderful friend to all musicians in Memphis and Tennessee and around the country. Thank you for having me. Well, tell me, where you, tell me about, we want to know about your life. Where were you born, and uh, how did you grow up, and tell me uh, how you got started playing the piano. So start off with your early life. Where were you born and how did you grow up? Well, uh, maybe a lot of uh, people don't know I was adopted. And back in the uh, 50s, I was uh, adopted actually in uh, 59. I was born in 59 and probably six months after that out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And so actually uh, grew up in El Dorado, Arkansas and uh, had a wonderful childhood had a wonderful mother and father, Hank and Marie Williams, who uh, were uh, the salt of the earth, beautiful parents. And um, so started um, in El Dorado. Uh, and it was a, you know, El Dorado was, they had found petroleum oil back in the 30s and 40s. And so by the time I came along in the 50s and 60s, there was a, actually a lot of, money in El Dorado, more millionaires there per capita than anywhere else in the country. Uh, and so it was sort of a artsy scene. People had a lot of money, a lot of time on their hands, and uh, they got on, into the arts and sciences. And uh, it was sort of like a, a Dada movement that uh, happened in Germany in the 1930s, a lot of um, creative people. And so that's how I think that I sort of uh, got into the music business and also bird watching and things like that. But well, a lot of people, and I was going to bring that up, but wasn't there uh, an oil company that started or was based in El Dorado? Uh, three of them. It was, uh, they had a Monsanto plant there as well, but Lion Oil started there and uh, Murphy Oil Corporation. Okay. They were both based in El Dorado and uh, maybe some <coughs> other smaller ones. But, uh, however, uh, uh, it was a big deal back in the 30s, 40s. And what ended up happening, if you were a family in Utah or California or New York or Florida and you, you found out that there was oil in Eldorado, Arkansas, you just sort of packed your bags. And, and uh, you know, it wasn't a real stable person that would just move, pick up their life and move. So there was a little bit of a circus atmosphere in El Dorado back in those days. And so I got to grow up with their children and their grandchildren, and which uh, spawned a, a wonderful uh, creative lifestyle and, and, uh, and, and life for me back, back then. Well, how did you start playing the piano? Where, where did you pick up that uh, skill? Ironically enough, there was a lady that a school teacher um, with the last name of Laidlaw down in uh, probably a block away from me and she got a, 
an old upright piano. Well, I was about three years old, and I just walked into her house. She invited me in, and I saw that piano, and I turned my left hand upside down with my thumb pointing down, and I started playing boogie-woogie. Of course, she called all the neighbors and told everybody, you got to come see this child, and he's playing the piano. Well, I'd been listening to big band music, um, Jimmy Dorsey and all that. There wasn't a lot of music in my house. However, my mother did play, and uh, and she read music, and uh, so, you know, that was the beginning, just on an upright piano, and uh, walked right up to it and started playing boogie-woogie. Did you, uh, then from then, did you play in school, play in church, play at social the first, events? The, what did you do? Well, uh, I had an aging grandmother, and um, uh, when I was about six or seven years old, uh, she was in um, assisted living, nursing home back then, and I played, uh, they would all gather around the piano in the lobby of the nursing home, and when I was just a young fellow, I went in there and started playing the piano. Well, they clapped, and it scared me, and I ran back to my mother, and so, but they kept clapping. I thought, well, okay, I'll run back and play another one. And that was the beginning, Dr. George, of, of uh, playing the piano. And to this day, I play in nursing homes wherever I can, uh, wherever I go around the country. Just played one here in Memphis the other day. And uh, it still warms my heart and it gives people uh, a, a real happy feeling. And so it, make, it works both ways. So you moved from El Dorado. Where did you go next? How did I'm trying to get to track how you got to Memphis, Tennessee? Well, I, um, there was a rockabilly guy named Sleepy Labeef who was well known all around the country. He had been on the loot. He gave Elvis his first guitar to play. Elvis, uh, let me restate that. Elvis borrowed Sleepy's guitar to do the first Louisiana Hayride. Well, Sleepy was quite famous around the country and around the world. And, but he was from El Dorado, and uh, smack over to be exact. But anyway, uh, he, he was known around there. And my cousin, Richard Johnson, who was a fabulous guitar player, uh, sort of like Leo Cocky or John Fahey, that type of guitar. Well, we saw him coming out of the grocery store, and he said, hey, there's Sleepy LaBeef. Well, I didn't know who he was. But fast forward, Sleepy took me on the road when I was about... 16 years old and we went from El Dorado uh, to Manhattan and uh, New York and that was the first place I performed. I had played in El Dorado prior to that at a place called the Eagle's Nest which was our little uh, airport restaurant, uh, very small but it held about 20 people or 30 and so I played there a little while but the the main thing was I went on tour with Sleepy Labeef, and long story, he uh, he fired me up in uh, in Kittery, Maine, and so I wound up in Boston, and then from Boston to Atlanta. And now wait a minute, what did you do to get fired from by Sleepy? <laughs> well, uh oh, here we go. It's kind of a good story. I was in. I met a young lady in. Um, in Boston, and uh, so the next, the we had been playing Boston, and the next show was in Kittery, Maine. Well, on the map, it looked real close. It looked like a cab ride. Mm -hmm. So I took a cab ride uh, to 
Kittery, Maine, and it was freezing and snowing, and so it was $350, which was a lot of money back then, and I didn't have it, and Sleepy wasn't going to pay it, so he chased me around the cab a few times. I think I, he let me play that night and work it off. Then he fired me, but uh, we he was like uh, my surrogate father. He was uh, a wonderful mentor of mine, and, and so uh, we hooked back up years uh, just a short time later, and so, so uh, there you are in Maine, snow freezing, whatever. What? How did you get to Memphis? Well, I wound up back in Boston, and I was uh, homeless for a while, um, uh, and uh, so I was sleeping on the streets of Boston uh, in a good place, though. And these two gentlemen took me in on Beacon Hill, and I lived with them for a while until I uh, saw a piano player in Faneuil Hall. <laughs> and this gentleman at Faneuil Hall, I said, well, if he it was summertime by then, and if he ever takes a break, he'll make a big mistake because I'm going to jump on that piano. And sure enough, he took a break, and I jumped on the piano. And the next morning, there was an aerial photograph of hundreds of people gathered around that grand piano in Faneuil Hall. And... Uh, and so I worked there for quite a while. And then when that played out, I made my, I had on the way up to New York with Sleepy, I had played at a place called Good Old Days in Atlanta, Georgia. And when I came back home to El Dorado, my mother said this lady had called from Good Old Days. And she, uh, so I called her back and she hired me and at Good Old Days and I played there stayed in Atlanta for a few years. And then the IRS seized a club I was playing at, uh, which had my piano and all my belongings in it. So I went to play that night and there was a big chain around the whole building. And so I went back home and my apartment had been robbed. And so all I had were my car keys and my car. So I headed back home to El Dorado again. <laughs> So I made it as far as Memphis, Tennessee in a blinding so snowstorm and my car uh, quit, wouldn't go any further right in front of the Peabody Hotel. So, really? So on, I, on the Union side? On or? the Union side. And so really? I walked in. And so you just pulled it over to the side? Pulled it over to the side, walked across the snow, wasn't any other traffic, wasn't, and everybody was... Uh, well, everybody was captive in the Peabody, and there was a piano. And so they said, can you play? I said, yes, I play a little bit. And the rest is history as far as Memphis goes. But you I started playing, and then what Started happened? playing, and, well, the reason I was playing is because their piano player couldn't make it in that night because yeah. of the, due to the snow. And Jack Bells and his whole family was there, his mother, his father, his wife, her mother and father, and we became became very close. They, they, uh, Daddy Jack asked me to uh, come down to his office, so I did the next day, and he offered me a job, and I played there for several years. You did, yeah. And did you? Where did you live then? I lived in the Peabody. In so the, you were a resident of the Peabody? I was a resident of the Peabody for about two years in the Romeo and Juliet suite. No way. And okay. uh, 
it was wonderful. <laughs> it was, uh, I thought I'd hit the jackpot and I really did. And it was during the, uh, it, it was during the resurgence of, and the rebuilding of, of Memphis downtown, basically. There were two clubs on Bill Street and um, the Peabody was just getting started. And as Daddy Jack Bell says, uh, uh, the back of the Peabody was on my back, and we we made it all together and drew big crowds down there. Um, matter of fact, that that was uh, the very time I, I met you. If you'll remember, we we met right in those uh, within a year after I'd come to mm -hmm. Memphis, and that was in eighty two or three, two and three. Well, you've certainly done a lot for Memphis. You've played at the Blues Ball. You've so you played at all kind of events, uh, and you, you've helped you've helped Memphis. You've helped keep uh, you've helped keep music the music scene going. Now, a lot of people will say you play a lot like a guy named Jerry Lee Lewis, somewhat like him. Right. Well, and you sing a little bit like him. Yeah. Now, I, what is your friendship so with the late Jerry Lee Lewis? Well, we developed. Uh, you know, he heard that I was in town, but he had seen me long before that. And uh, uh, like I stated in the beginning, I was adopted. So there were uh, a lot of talk about him being my father and things like that. And uh, we'll let that rumor lie. Yeah, we'll we let won't, that. We yeah. won't tell the answer to that. Uh, okay, wonderful. And so we, we developed a wonderful relationship over the years. And, uh, and he was a you know, he, he was the roots of music, and and he was just, uh, he was a very decent person to me, and very kind, and uh, never showed me anything on the piano, although I asked him many times, but he said, you already know it, and I, I, I would think, well, wait a minute, I don't know that lick you just did, he'd say, oh, yes, you do, <laughs> and, but, but I didn't. But I guess in a few years I, I would learn them, and so that's what he meant. But uh, what a gracious human being, and what he did for music was unbelievable. Well, you're you're doing the same. So what is your? I understand you're getting ready to go on tour. We are. And you you have a, a this tour sounded like it was a real as we saw a grind. How long? How many days is it, and how many performances? Well, it's forty days and forty nights, and and. Uh, and uh, and and we I'm with Jim Heath and uh, they call him Reverend Jim Heath and Dale Watson and we uh, go start in Albuquerque and wind up uh, all through California and wind up in uh, uh, Canada and then come back down to Colorado but it's going to be a long tour in my 20s and 30s that was fun and in my 50s it was fun um, maybe not sure now yeah now I'm not but sure how many but, performances. It's uh, 43 in 40 days. Two 43. Of, 43 performances, uh, two of them being matinees. And uh, so, uh, and then shows that night too. So uh, we, uh, I'll just have to pace myself. I think I can do it. I'm looking well, you, forward to it. Well, you're, you're, I don't know, I'm sure everybody's seen you or, or know of your music. Your performance is so physical. You get up, you very jump physical. around and... How do you keep yourself in shape? Because it it looks like it's very physically challenging. It's it's demanding, and uh, I'm going to have to sort of like I said pace myself on this tour. Uh, 
but I exercise a lot. I run about three to five miles uh, a day and, uh, and try to eat right and take care of myself, and I feel good. Um, and so, you know, I, I, it's really yet to be seen if I can do this. I feel like I can, so, uh, but uh, I'm gonna give it all I got. Maybe I'll just pace myself and Well, and you know, what... travel will wear you out, and then travel, yes. will, but you're traveling every day, Traveling and every you're, day, you're having a show every day. That's yep. that's a tough deal. Well, we would love to interview you when you get back and see the stories about your most crazy thing that happened at one of your performances. Can you think of one? Well, there's there's many. One that stands out was I had a club down in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and uh, it was a big club. Matter of fact, one of the biggest on the East Coast at that time. And it was called Jason D's, and I remember uh, uh, um, the the uh, Donald Trump and the owner of Pie Pies came in, and I told them they had a few people with them. I told them come on down to to, to the front, and the place was sold out. And uh, I, they came down, and there no there were no seats. I said, well, just sit right at the edge of the stage. So they crossed their legs and sat down there. And during the performance, I flipped the piano upside down, and uh, <laughs> it almost landed on our, our future president at that time, um, which nobody knew he was going to be the president. But however, uh, so it was a, that was one crazy thing. But there's been so many. Um, I guess I'm not really allowed to talk about it with my ankle bracelet on right now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> He's kidding. He's kidding. Just kidding. That. But, uh, Jason, thank you very much. And if anyone has a chance to go out and see him live, I mean, you may see him on Facebook Live, which he's going to do. He does regularly. You may see him on videos, but it's nothing like being there in person. When you see the energy in the room, I mean, the room may be just real calm and everybody not talking or anything. You come on, the energy goes crazy. Everybody starts jumping up and down, yelling, screaming, dancing. And it's really a, it's really a lot of fun, and it's good, clean fun. Yes, we have a lot of. It's a wonderful show, and it's uh, family friendly too. Family friendly, and it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I have a sixteen year old son now, Canyon, who is starting to perform the piano as well. And uh, I hope he takes after you and becomes a doctor. <laughs> Although. Uh, this piano playing, I'm very proud of him. I am too. I've heard him play, and so he, you better, you better practice a lot because he's he's coming after you. Yeah, he's he, on your heels. Right, he's coming, he's coming along. And let me take this moment to thank you for what you have done, keeping um, musicians like myself and others the root music and the good music and uh, music from the '60s, '70s, '50s, '30s, '20s. I love when you play. Uh, some of the big band on this radio station mm -hmm. and thank you from my heart uh, for doing that for us musicians. Well one person that's an unsung hero is your wife Jennifer. Absolutely. Now, she's a real estate agent with Hobson yeah. and Jennifer Bird Williams. Jennifer Bird Williams. So that's her but she also helps schedule all your tours. What uh, what an asset. You've she, got. Yes she's a, a lady of many hats and uh she uh she's the best thing that ever happened to me and i'd i'd like to say she's a wonderful 
asset to Memphis as well. She, she's a, a beautiful human being, and you always and, see her volunteering somewhere. Yes, absolutely. I don't know where she finds the time, but she know, certainly does. But sometimes she volunteers your services too. Yes, and you 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 do it. You oh. know, you're glad to do it. Oh, sure. So very glad. Thank to you do very it. much for being here, and uh, we really enjoyed it. We look forward to all of your. We're going to link to some of your uh, Facebook lives, but okay. let me tell you, be sure if you find Jason D. Williams playing anywhere around you, go see that show. You will not regret it. I'll guarantee you that. Thank you, Dr. George Flynn. Thank you.